Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Usually we hit record and then forget that we've been recording. So like the first minute of our podcast is all, I'm intentionally doing it this time. Um, how y'all's brackets end up? Forgot to ask before we got on the microphone. Bad. Um, Bad. I had Arizona winning mine, so it wasn't. Ooh. I had Gonzaga. I pick Gonzaga every year. But my I had a friend in high school. This is like like pseudo sad. Well, it is really sad. He passed away. He had a he had a heart attack at like 28 and died and but he was Jesus. the biggest Gonzaga fan on this planet so ever since then I picked Gonzaga every year I like that not I like your tradition of doing that yeah. <laughs> uh Raleigh I haven't done a NCAA bracket oh, I forgot you just had a kid your, your excuse is here <laughs> I haven't done it in like 10 years easily like uh, I always put it together and then I just feel like an idiot I'm like okay I'd rather just kind of root for the underdog. I, I like picking and choosing who I want to support with no allegiance to a bracket. Like, yes, St. Mary's all day or whatever the hell that it was St. St. Peter's. St. Peter's, whatever. Exactly. That's my point. And then it's like, <laughs> okay. Peter, Mary. I'm sorry I opened this wormhole. Yeah. And then, you know, watching games without any emotional tie to it. And it's like, you know, Duke, UNC. Was wasn't awesome. really sure who I wanted to win. I kind of wanted Duke to win. All time. Then I was like, okay, I'm glad UNC won. And uh, if I had a bracket, you know, who knows what kind of a turmoil that could have caused emotionally. <laughs> well, I picked Kansas. So that's why I was kind of leading myself and answering last because wow. I picked Kansas. I did very well this year. But hey, welcome back to the Dogs of War podcast. If you're listening to this day, it comes out. It is Wednesday, April 6th in the year of our Lord, Evan Mobley, 2022. For our regular old time listeners, you've recognized already now because we went 90 seconds without saying anything else. Um, some new voices on the podcast. We are very excited to have two very special guests this week. Miss Holly Wetzel, who works for ESPN Cleveland. She's the co-host of the Orange is Oranger podcast. Also a writer for Awful Announcing. Holly, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me, guys. I'm good. Excited, excited to have you here. And then coming back for her second appearance, we tricked her twice now. Holly, only one time so far. <laughs> Miss Abby Mueller. Abby is the host, of course, of the Just a Girl from Cleveland podcast. She's also, which I wanted to ask you about after as a follow-up to this question, uh, I believe now a new contributor to the Sports Illustrated Browns Digest. So first yes. of all, welcome and thank you for joining us as well. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. And yes, I just started contributing there with some video content. So if you click on any articles there, you just might see my face pop up and 
have some words about the Browns. So very, very exciting. That's awesome. And then Holly, you help me understand. It's not a new podcast, but now you have a new co-host. I do. With a form, uh, former NFL player, you guys have had some heavy hitter episodes recently. Tell us about Orange is Orange. Yeah, so I joined. Um, it was originally hosted by Jeremy Powell and Chase Smith, um, and they kind of kicked it off the ground and uh, very successful for the last like five or six years. And then uh, in a good way, Chase got so busy, he actually runs uh, Press Play Podcast Network. Um, oh, wow. Step back. And um, him and I connected and he was like, I'd love to have you take my place. I was like, well, those are pretty big shoes there, Chase. He's like, Holly, you can handle it. So um, Jeremy and I uh, took it over. I started in June of last year um, and I was so excited for this Brown season, right? Like I thought, you know, this is, this is the perfect time to be joining it, you know, the whole deal. And um, so then at the end of the season, uh, Jeremy ended up, he's going to be doing his own show with the network. And, um, I connected with Tyvis Powell, um, who was, uh, uh, Buckeye. No big, no big deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he played in the NFL for a couple of years. He actually played, he was on the Browns roster. If you guys, we actually talked about some of the podcast. If you remember, he was supposed to throw out the first pitch for the Indians game and the Browns had let him go earlier in the day. And he was like, I still went there and threw out that first pitch, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, so yeah, I've been uh, hosting that with with him now um, since the beginning of the year, and it's been it's been really awesome. We have some a lot of a lot of really cool stuff in store for the year. So Abby's on Sports Illustrated, Holly's with ESPN and the other podcasts, and Raleigh. Here we are, you and I, just staring at each other once a week. I got an idea. As we have three Uh-oh. different podcasts, Cleveland hosts, well, whatever shows hosts, whatever. We haven't done a podcast in like a month or something, but. Paternity leave, I told them. Do you guys have any strategy on, I don't know, for your podcast, this podcast, the Browns PR team, Watson's PR team? There, It's like, I don't even know what to say. I have a meme account. I try to keep it team positive, family friendly. And it's like, no matter what, I've never just been attacked by like seven different groups of people. And I'm just like, I... I'm like, okay, I'm just going to. Yeah, so let, let's ride. set this up. Let's set this up. So you and I haven't had a pod in four weeks. Your daughter was born. Shout out Quinn. Uh, again, we're trying to start the rumor that it was named after Brady Quinn. Um, <laughs> She's a girl. A lot has happened in the last few weeks, obviously, um, unless you've been living under a bridge, uh, 480 bridge. Shout out to our <laughs> listeners. 480 bridge. bridge. Yeah. Those are our homies down there. Um, I might be joining them sooner rather than later, depending on how these next couple of years go. Um, Traded for Deshaun Watson. Obviously, that causes a hurricane of a shitstorm. It made sense in my head. Um, you know, there's different, all sorts of different opinions and stories and feelings and emotions. And it is wildly uncomfortable. And, you know, it's also a time where, like, Raleigh just was kind of, if you were, I think you're trying to say this, don't really know what to say. Um, because there's, obviously. There's different genuine opinions. Yeah. That clash well yeah but hang on on. so like what i mean you know people are almost afraid to say things because then people are afraid it's gonna get taken out of context um like for example i me just saying i'm uncomfortable i've been reading other articles other opinions and of course on the twitter machine people saying well you know men shouldn't feel uncomfortable because they can't really truly relate to this so it's just a whole bunch of takes and it's just very uncomfortable for everybody um 
And so similar to the reason why we release our podcast on Thursdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays during the season, so we can have a few days to cool off from whatever the hell happens on Sunday. Um, here we are. So obviously there's a whole, we're going to have a whole lot of conversations and, and episodes here talking about Baker. And there's a lot more to come with that, of course. And there's so many storylines. We are so far gone from football. I mean, it, I, we haven't even had an, Rightfully so. I understand. It's just what it, what, it's what it is. We haven't even talked football in forever. It's going to be a long time till we get there. Um, a lot of storylines, a lot of things going on. So Raleigh, now I think you were trying to set up, you know, is, is their opinion just from their own reporting and digesting of it? Um, what did they think about, I guess, the introduction, how this has all started from day one? Yeah. Holly, you work for ESPN, right? <laughs> you, you go first. <laughs> well, yeah, and and that's a loaded question, right? It's like, well, how do you feel? And if there's, and that's that's what's tough feel, too, because I don't even know right? you don't even know where to start, you know? Yeah. So you know, Travis and I talked about this on our pod. I I feel a little conflicted because, and I don't know if it's because I'm numb to you know, all these years working in sports as a woman, or if it's um, that I just know, I see working in sports, it's just, I have a completely different view of how things are. It's just, it's such a, it's such a business. And I know they say they care about fans and they, they care about fans, right? As, you know, all the teams do, leagues do and everything. But at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And I think for Deshaun, what's interesting with him is that he is not backing down on anything. He is quite frankly, doubling down on his innocence. Oh yeah. That's really interesting for one Two, what I've kind of heard. And what I think is, is where it got kind of caught in the crosshairs. I don't know. This is, this is just my own opinion from things, random rumors I've heard, but I think a lot of the situations he found himself in, I think it was like, well, do you want to do this? And maybe the woman didn't feel comfortable enough to say, I don't really want to do this because of, of who he is. And they did it anyways. And then they come back and they're like, wait a second, that didn't feel right. I didn't want to do that. Right. So I think that there's, and, and in his head, maybe it's, well, they said yes. So, and that, again, my, my friend said this to me, she's like, you can't, you can't prove intuition. And I can't explain to you. Well, a woman's intuition is always something. And Abby, I'm sure you will totally agree with me, but I can't prove to you when something just doesn't feel right. There's nothing there. So that's also probably why there is no criminal charges against him because there, there isn't anything there that these women are saying, yeah, but he made me feel this way. Well, that's unfortunately, that's not a, that's not a crime. You can't prove that. So in a lot of instances, right. So I think that's where it kind of gets to become a really gray area. And I think that, what men don't understand and what, why the Me Too movement and all this stuff has happened is because they, we've, we've, men have abused their position of power for a very long time so much that that's just all they know. And I know we're finally getting past a lot of that. Those, that, that generation is kind of finally moving on and getting older. So that viewpoint is changing. I mean, and I said this on my pod, like I'll, people that I've, used to work with or come in contact with that are older than me, they're like, oh, kiddo. And I'm like, kiddo, I'm 37 years old. I'm not a kid, right? And it's that mentality that they just don't 
know any better. Now, does Deshaun, Deshaun Watson know better? Of course he does. But I think that that's where the lines get crossed. And so now I'm like, wait a second, I'm a fan. I work with the team to a certain extent. And I also know it's a business, but am I, am I not a good fan or am I not a good person if I do cheer for the Browns now? Um, and, you know, there's a lot of conflicting stuff I've seen that some people are um, pulling their season tickets away, right? Or they're, not, you know, they're doing this. But then I see there's a t-shirt company I saw. They came out and said, I'm not going to, I'm going to give away my season tickets and donate the money. And then they're still selling Browns gear on their website. So where is that line, right? I just that's where it starts to, you start to nitpick with everyone and everything. And that unfortunately that's a society we are in today. You're not going to win. Let me just real quick interrupt before it goes to Abby and thank you. Ha, that was incredible. Um, everyone here has different perspectives. Everyone everywhere has different perspectives, their different backgrounds, their, their jobs, their careers, their personal experiences gives everyone a different perspective. So respect people's perspectives, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm saying Absolutely. because like, cause you guys are going to share your perspective and not everyone's going to maybe agree with yours yep. or mine or Raleigh's, but that's okay. That's everyone's perspective. Respect everyone else's perspective of this. Right. I think everyone a big lesson here. Feel, yeah. Everyone's allowed to feel how they want to feel. And yep. I think that's, that's, what's the most important thing. And if someone doesn't want to be a fan, they don't have to be a fan. They don't want to go to the games. They want to give up their tickets by all means. I, I'm not I, knocking I you know. at all for that. Not right. at all. Yep. So no, no, that's that's incredibly not, I, well said. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I completely agree. With, yeah, I, I definitely agree with Holly and so much of what she said there. And just, I guess, for me, from my perspective of when the trade went down, I was I was a little bit emotional the first day, I think, because, first of all, I know a lot of people who aren't going to be fans anymore. And I felt like I was kind of mourning my Cleveland Browns fandom of the first amount of my life, that it was going to be a little bit different now because of people who um, I loved talking with about the Browns and aren't going to be a part of it anymore. So I think that was a bit sad for me too. And was just, a, I totally like, like you guys said, respect their choice to step away and they have to do what they have to do for themselves. Um, but it's sad because sports are so fun and they've been such a big part of my whole life. Um, that to lose people that have been a part of it with you is, is it's tough to swallow. And I think, um, that's maybe something that the ownership and the people involved in making those decisions don't always fully think about when they're making those choices. Um, but I get it at the end of the day, they did have to make a business decision. And from a football perspective, I understand why they did what they did. Um, and it's, it, it's so incredibly complicated to talk about, like you guys said, because I don't ever want to make anyone feel like uh, that what they feel about it isn't valid. Um, or even the people that are excited about it from a football perspective, like this is going to be a really big time for the Cleveland Browns uh, to give us a real shot at chasing some playoff hopes and potentially Super Bowl hopes. And I don't, you know, I think people should be excited about that. And that's a great thing. Um, but it, it's still hard for me right now, I guess, from the football side of things. I find myself every time I, I go to talk about Deshaun Watson, the player, I start thinking about Deshaun Watson, the person and the allegations. And it's it's hard for me to separate them still. And I'm sure as we, we begin to see him actually on the field more, it'll get a little bit easier. Uh, but right now it's it's a little bit challenging because it feels like 
so much of Deshaun, the person is on focus right now because we haven't seen him on a field since 2020. It's been a long time since he's taken a snap. So it's really hard to talk about the player um, and not just really focus on everything surrounding him right now. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think regardless of that was awesome. Yes, it was. Thank you. Um, I feel like regardless of people's uh, God, everything I say, I'm like, is that the right way to say it? People's emotional uh, thoughts on this, which they're valid. I think most would agree that regardless of your opinion on all of the morality behind it, he's got to have the most pressure on his back that any Browns quarterback has ever had. Cause it's like, we're all kind of under the player. assumption. It's like player yeah, player wise player, I'm like, we're all under the assumption, which I I'm going to start preaching. Let's all take a step back here that this was like a done deal. Like we made up, we sold our soul to get to the Super Bowl. It's like, well, shit, I hope we get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Cause well, if you start throwing a couple of picks early on, I think people are going to turn on him mighty quick. Yeah. And I want to, I more kind of piggybacking on that. Um, you know, think about Andrew Barry's and Kevin Stefanski's careers and their whole life is on the line. All in, all All in. in. So I I will say them sitting up there. Some people took that press conference, thought it went horribly. I actually thought it went relatively well for the situation. I don't think anyone thought it was going to go well. It was local versus national narrative was so different. It was. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And I'm sitting there listening to Andrew Barry and and Kevin sit there and, and talk about everything that they did and how they believe in him and everything. So I'm like, I really respect them. I believe in them. I, I think Andrew Barry has done wonders for the organization. So I'm like, do I, I believe I trust him, right? So he's got to know or know something or um, yeah, I got to be able to trust him. Right. So because if it doesn't, then their career is done. So there's, there is that level of, okay, well, maybe, right? Like it's like a constant day-to-day situation where I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, no, no, I'm not okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard. I, I will say though, my – like you knew that the questions were going to come uh, to Deshaun and like, so what were you doing with 22 different massage therapists? And I think he deferred to something every time he said, I never disrespected a woman. It's like, really? You'd never disrespected a woman. Like, come on. Like right. in this context, maybe, but come on, man. You should have said intentionally, right? Yeah. Intentionally. Disrespect. I know. You don't like, disrespect people every day. It happens. I mean, but I, I, I don't know if it was Barry as much, but it was definitely Stefanski. He was asked numerous questions that he just resorted to. We believe in Deshaun Watson, the person. It's like, sir, can you not sound like a robot? <laughs> they like, use that phrase a lot. <laughs> it's like, like have, have five of the same phrases that you can jumble around. Because that, to me, personally, I was like, yes, you knew you'd be we knew they'd be pleading the fifth in some sense, but it's like, use a different sentence, sir. (laughs) Speaking of the press conference, did you guys, anyone can answer this. Were you guys bothered? Was it just the media trying to make something out of nothing that Jimmy and D were in Europe coming over zoom for their part of that press conference? No, I think 
originally I was surprised, I will say that they were not all together. Um, but in retrospect, I think Andrew Barry was the most equipped to handle those questions. I think we kind of saw that when we saw D yes. and Jimmy later, I thought D did a decent job, but Jimmy kind of started talking about ticket renewals and some other things that were a little bit tone deaf for the moment, I think. And so I, I feel like at the end of the day, it probably made the most sense to have Andrew Barry tackle those because he's just a more empathetic figure. You could tell he felt the weight of everything and was taking it very seriously, where at the end of the day, Jimmy is still just like a billionaire that might be a little bit out of touch with uh, what needs to be said in those moments. I'm trying to do everything glass half full. So we do with this podcast. We try to take anything and make it glass half full. This one is obviously the biggest challenge yet. I'm going to say just the one thing that, and I, I really didn't care to be honest with you. Um, a lot of people were like, they should have been the first ones up there on stage. Like you can't, how dare you not be there? I mean, do we get to interview him an hour after? Yeah. So we being as if I was sitting in that room, um, what I liked about that after I thought about it, you know, after everything else kind of died down was the fact that I think we're finally seeing the Haslam separating themselves from the football a little bit. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, it was Jimmy was trying to have his hands on everything, but now he's like, you guys are my football guys. Like you're going to take the first wave of this and I'll come in and clean up. But I don't know. Does that make sense? It, no, it, do it does, but I don't necessarily believe that that's what we're witnessing like he but he trusted those guys what i meant is what i meant he had the trust in those guys finally not i mean he finally has trust in a coach and a gm to handle the biggest press conference in the history of this franchise yes but i'm also i do believe that barry i i want to believe that barry that the whole decision was barry's which they said that there were like 17 other teams that were going after Watson as well. So that makes me feel good. But I'm also like, did Haslam stir it up and say, this is what I want. Do whatever you need to do to make it happen, which he may have done that. And Barry would not admit that he got strong armed by Jimmy. That's what my initial thought was, is that it was Haslam going full Manziel on but then a lot of reports are now saying it was the other way around it was a football it, guys. That's I was going to say, that's what I heard that it was the other way around, but I will yeah. say that I heard that um, Deshaun was really impressed with D and Jimmy. That was the, um, which is interesting because like, I've never heard anyone say that. <laughs> I know. Well, he was, that's what I heard. And um, he was very impressed. I think with Jimmy's knowledge and everything, um, of the team and the players, which is interesting. But, uh, and when they left, I mean, they weren't, it was not a, we're throwing the house at him. We'll get, please, you know, choose us or reconsider us. It wasn't even that it, he, from what I heard that there was no money, right. Even talked about in the first meeting and then they left. And then after with the other teams, Deshaun realized, well, um, the Browns really have the best roster let's go back and see if we can get something done. And then, right, then they come back. And I think they kept in touch from everything I've heard, too. Um, when I see them, uh, Deshaun's team. I read that AB was still talking yeah. to them nonstop. Like, what yeah. do we have to do to get back in here? So I think that, so, yeah, I mean, I thought, too, for sure, that you would think first off, first bat, that Jimmy has them. Because you would think that's something like Dan Gilbert, Gilbert do, right? It, it's like, here's the money, like, just take it, right? And it, it wasn't. It wasn't like that, um, and it was driven by Barry and Stefanski, which is not what I expected. 
I feel like in some ways it's not shocking how impressed Deshaun was with both Barry and Stefanski. A lot of reports were coming out about that too, where um, when they just got down to talking football and what he was going to look like in the Browns offense, he was just really impressed with both of them. And just looking at the landscape of the league and the other coaches and GMs, it's not shocking to me that if you're going to sit down in a room with those people that like the people you are most impressed with are Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, because they're a mix of really smart and very relatable. They're younger. I feel like they can connect. And there were a lot of reports with Deshaun in Houston where he didn't like the ownership. There were a lot of issues within the organization there. So I'm sure he was looking for that connection too, where he felt like, he could trust those people, relate to them, that they believed in him. So it, it doesn't shock me at all that he was that impressed um, by them and felt connected in that way. Credit where due, I will give a shout out reluctantly to Grossi for in that press conference being like, hey, why'd you want to leave Houston? And he tried. He tried. Um, sorry, Rod, you want to say something? Nope. <laughs> I was going to say, I want to be the fly on the wall in a lot of conversations during this whole thing. Um, I think I finally landed at the two conversations. I want to be the fly on the wall for most when they happened is Stefanski and AB talking to their wives about this. So I feel like that's truly where everything came out. Am I wrong? Am I maybe right? No, I, 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 yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that was an interesting conversation um, on both ends. You know, I feel like, you got to wonder how involved both wives are when it comes to that type of stuff. Um, you know, Jimmy mentioned that his daughters were asked about it. And again, I think it's the way that you view it. I think if they're like, well, we know that this is a business decision and this is the Browns doing if The Browns didn't do this. Another team would. I'm not saying that the Browns were the people are saying the Browns are hypocrites. Well, of course they are. They all the teams are. We're hypocrites every single day. I mean, there's there's so much that goes on that we allow when it fits our narrative, right? So I think that they just, I think they get it. I think they get it. I'm quoting, though you can't see me. Nailed um, it. They, uh, they, they get it. And I think that that's, they weren't going to. Now, if Andrew Barry's wife or Kevin Stavansky's wife, God forbid something had happened to them on a really hor- horrible level, it, maybe that conversation would go very differently. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I think that, and again, I'm I'm not trying to defend Deshaun of the Browns. Let's just keep that straight. My thing is I'm not going to stop being a Browns fan. You know, like I I can separate things and so on. So so we'll see what happens with everything that comes out. And there's a lot more to come, obviously. Um, Holly, you touched on a little earlier. What gives me, I'm trying to just to find some hope, some, something to hold on to here is the fact that you said it, A.B., Stefanski, and kind of Jimmy and D really gambling their careers, their reputations, their lives, not not lives, their livelihoods on this decision, on this signing. Barry's a year or two older than me. Stefanski, I don't even think he's even 40 years old. Like, there's some young dudes laying it all out and going all in. First thing, this is, it's the first time the Browns have ever gone all in. So it's kind of almost like, in my opinion, we now see... I don't want to see uh, uh, a finish line, but if we don't do something big in the next five years, Super Bowl, I don't know if we're ever going to do it. But the way it's just set up right now, so that's, I don't want to say relieving, that's a wrong word in this time, but to know that we're finally, we're, we're all in, and if this doesn't work well, 
I don't want to cross that bridge, but I mean, what's left? Um, also, the one more thing I wanted to say is when it comes to, and this is what I meant by I'm not defending anybody here. When it comes to the investigations and the work that these people do on this stuff, look, I don't know anything. I'm just speculating from what I've read and seen on television and the news. These are billion dollar organizations, these football teams. If they're before and just paid someone $230 million guaranteed, it's sitting in a bank account right now. It's guaranteed in escrow, which side note, hilarious that the Bengals and Chargers might get screwed by that now, but we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> again, billion dollar organizations, they will hire private investigators. They will talk to every person in every phase of these people's lives, old professors, old classmates, old girlfriends. They will find out everything. They will have people follow these people. I'm not saying just football. I'm saying these billion-dollar organizations in general, when you have that kind of money and that kind of power and you're about to make that big of an investment, those are the extremes you go to. So to do all of that and to stand up there and or whatever they did it was is obviously five-plus months they said of work. It's not just them on Twitter reading tweets and thinking, oh, should we gamble on this? <laughs> There's big-time shit that goes into this. That's also where I'm kind of trying to hang my hat like, well, shit, you know? Two things well, maybe two things. You were nodding know. your head very hard at one point in that. Uh, I was agreeing to a lot of it. Like what you, I would correct and say what they should be doing is investigating the shit out of it with whatever resources they have. I agree. But this organization under Haslam's watch also YOLO'd and drafted Johnny Manziel with the, which was like the dumbest draft, uh, the second dumbest draft behind Court, what was the cornerback that they drafted before Manziel instead of grabbing TJ Watt? But I'm saying years past, this organization has failed to do the basic amount of homework. I'm hoping that they did theirs and they like what they saw. When my internal thought, my fly on the wall scenario, I would like to know more about what they found because it seemed like when they were asked that question, they, I don't know if it was Trotter who was like, so you hired a investigator and they said something along the lines of, we're not allowed to interfere with an ongoing investigation. So did you talk to the one of the 22 or were you talking to other people? And then they said, we did not. It's a lose-lose. It's and a lose-lose. Like, did they <laughs> talk to him? And it's like- It's a lose-lose. I'm like, because I'm trying to get clarity on- uh, Holly, what you were saying earlier about what you read uh, that happened of sort of a degree of regret being put into a situation where he used his influence and power, et cetera, to get what he wanted when had they been thinking clearly, they would have said no type thing. I would hope, but I don't know if we're ever going to get the full story. I would truly love to know, and I would read each one of the cases of what they said, like what he's being accused of. Cause I think there's a lot of people on both sides of the aisle that have no idea what's actually going on, what he's being accused of, who's saying what, and it's a lot of information to decipher, but. Well, it saying, goes back to the, the, the Trevor Bauer thing too, right? Like he, he was found, which made me sick that he was like, congratulations to Sean, if you saw his tweet, but like, Granted, that the stuff that he was accused of was disgusting. He was very upfront about everything, and that was why. But this girl probably was in a situation where she was like, wait, 
I said I want to do this, but maybe I don't want to do this, right? Like, so again, that you can't prove that. That that's the that's the hardest part in all of this. And kind of what Abby, you were talking about some losing some friends to this, and I will too. Uh I think you know, once training camp fires up and once people see him on the field, I'm sorry, a lot of people will come back after that. It's just how it is. It's life. Um, but I do think the ones that are gung-ho and will stay firm and stay away, they've made up their mind. It could come out and this could all be dropped, but there's people that have made up their mind and they're never coming back. And again, I won't, I don't fault anybody for anything. I'm just, you know, whatever you think, whatever you're comfortable with, I'm not going to say or give you one weird look or say one bad thing about you. I respect that. But I just think for some of those people, there's some people will come back when they finally see them out there. And then some people that you will never change their mind. The mob is fickle. I think it's hard too, because we don't know when this is going to end. Like that is the, the tough thing with this compared to a lot of other previous situations in the NFL regarding sexual assault or, or things similar to this that there was a a settlement or something that gave it a real conclusion where they could apply a suspension and move forward. But as we kind of talked about, he's continuing to claim his innocence is doesn't want to settle at this time. Obviously that could change and and happen at some point, but uh, as it looks right now, these cases could take in a really, really long time to, to get through the system. And I don't even know if a suspension would come this year. And that, it would be a bad precedent for the league to set to apply a suspension before there was any sort of conclusion. Uh, Cause just in, in the future, I could see that going down a really Didn't bad road. Don't kind of say that too, by the way, yeah. he said that like, they're not going to do anything, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. right. It, Cause then you could, you could just get yourself in a lot of bad situations in the future where people are accused of things and then you're just applying suspensions without moving forward with anything. So obviously they need some type of conclusion for it, but with 22 cases, in the court system that's very backed up right now because of COVID, I have no idea when these are going to end. Uh, so it could be a long time before any suspension actually gets applied, which I think also makes this weirdly complicated. And for those who are who were not aware of this, and Goodell alluded to it, it's possible that these cases get dropped or he quote unquote beats them, whatever you want to call it. The NFL can still suspend him. Like they, they have their own set of justice, if you will. And they're looking into it as well. And I hope that they go about it fairly. I hope everything goes about this fairly, but again, who the hell knows? And that's the theme here. Like Abby said, this is going to be, and this is going to be going on for a long time. And it sucks because like, more than five years. Finally, we have a top five quarterback, top ten quarterback in the NFL. Knock on wood. a franchise. Yeah, knock on wood. A fran- we've we have a guy to a franchise contract. We've never had that before. This is not throwing shade of bake, and we can't even we can't celebrate it. That's what I mean. It sh- that should have been a, a momentous day, a bittersweet day, obviously. Um, and we haven't even discussed Baker yet. Um, Oh yeah, uh, we gotta we gotta have yeah. That's a whole nother topic. What uh, I think the you never know podcast comes out on Wednesdays, but it's never like weekly. It can sometimes be like two to three weeks. I like the podcast. I like Mike Stud. I'm a fan of his. I think he's a great interviewer. Um, I am not expecting Baker to come out and light the city up, the Browns up. Um, but I I've been wrong before. I don't know. What do you guys think about yeah. that at all? The only thing I'm wondering in regards to that i don't know if you listen to the pat mcafee show ever but 
he oh, had yeah. talked about the podcast. Um, oh, he leaked it. Yeah. So, yeah. And the way he was saying it, where the guy was apparently calling him and telling him that like, oh, you're going to want to know what's going on in this kind of hyping it up. So it, it made it seem like there was going to be some some interesting Brown stuff discussed. I don't think it would be in Baker's best interest to do that right now uh, in terms of just his his career and where he's he, not a dummy. He's not a dummy. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that would be smart for him at all. So I hope that's not the case. But I don't know if you're in a long form podcast. I, I don't know what he's going to say. I mean, it, it could be interesting. So apparently they are friends with the guy. Um, oh yeah. They're good buddies. Yeah. They're like good buddies. Yeah. So I hope that they, whatever they discuss, both sides have enough respect to each other to make sure that Baker doesn't like nothing gets taken out of context or whatever it is, but he's, I mean, like, I hope you know what you're doing. I think he knows what he's doing, but yeah, you know, Good things happen to good people. I don't fucking know, dude. <laughs> this whole season is it's it is I it could really go either way. I I I I want to say I hope that he's gonna try to take a different route here than he's taken since this has all come down. Um, but I just he has been this offseason and what has had transpired since it has just gotta be such a brutal hit in a lot oh. of different ways for him. And he doesn't way past football. Now we are way, like I said, he's been getting dragged. He has been getting dragged. And I, I feel, you know, it's hard. I I do feel for him to a certain extent, another extent. I don't because again, he knows that this is a business more than anything else. So, and what the Browns did, I mean, from what I heard, the Browns um, tried to did, did reach out and to his team and let him know that they were going to pursue the Deshaun trade. um, And he claimed that he they didn't at, at one point. I don't know where or when that was said, but I, I know that it was said at some point. Um, and so then he sent that letter out, right? Way too premature. It just the whole thing got the whole thing was weird. And I know that it's I have said on this the beginning since in my own pod that the things that we I we love about Baker are the things that we do not like about Baker. We love him for the the grit and the, the honesty and the truth and the hard work and all that stuff and saying how he feels. But when he does that on the other end, we don't like it. He needs to shut his mouth. He needs to take a step back. It's it's very frustrating. Um, and I think he's found himself in a really weird position. It just how things kind of have fallen. Like, sure, he's a gamble for 18 million, but then again, as a no one's gonna pick his contract up for a backup, it's way too much. And all these other teams are like, well, we think we have someone better. And that's just kind of what happened. The so, timing, the timing is really the, the timing. Huge yes. Hard. Biggest right. ops. That's really been a, a huge part of this entire madness. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do think, and I would be, I'm down to hear opposing thoughts to this, but I do think that the Browns organization scapegoated him through the entire of last season, the entirety of last season. And they made zero goddamn adjustments with play calling. Like if your quarterback is either hurt or he's not good, one of the two, then you adjust your offense to your play calling to take that into account. Like you try to mask it. And I feel like for the life of me, he's being judged by everyone on what went down last season and nobody's like, well, also he was hurt, like jot that down. And in hindsight, he should have 
stepped back, take the surgery. The season should have been over after the Houston game. And he wanted to play through it. And it's like, people, people are saying like, Oh, he's selfish for playing. It's like, well, he's the kind of guy that would fist fight a tank and it's on the coaching staff, the training staff, medical staff to reel it back. If that's not the case, but it's like, they let him punch himself out. And I'm like, did you guys really just game of Thrones, Baker Mayfield? Cool. (laughs) And so I'm like, I, I think they did quit on him in that season. And I think they have, they didn't do a very good job of, supporting him other than saying we did the best we could with the information we had like a goddamn robot we believe in deshaun watson the player or the person (laughs) see i don't disagree with that all of that i I just wish we had more and we may never know until they're on their deathbed why the hell are we paying case keenum six mil a year stefanski went to an nfc championship game with him right as his quarterback coach play caller maybe not play caller but I, why didn't we shut Baker down after week two or especially after what was it week six when he heard it again? Uh, why didn't case get a shot? Let Baker recover. Those are the questions that I'm just, we're forever going to be just scratching yeah. our heads over. Like what, what happened? Like because that's they gave what happened, Kevin. Well, I think that's the thing. We don't, there, I think there were so many different things. Like I had Tavis walk me through like what that whole medical situation is like how is that determined like what is the you know and he said at the end of the day if they are cleared the the doctor can say look I don't think you should play but if you want to that's you know it's their choice so when he said it's my choice if I want to play he was right it is it was his choice if he wanted to play and I don't think the Browns really wanted to um stop him because they wanted to put it all out there and see what they had because if they really thought that he was this the, the franchise QB, I think they would have definitely stepped in a little bit more and said, look, we want you for the long term. We don't want you getting hurt. And I think with the comment, it was just a perfect storm. Timing. Yeah, exactly. The timing, the the fact that he was like injured, but like not injured enough. I mean, I just, all of that, it's just unfortunate. All of it's very unfortunate. And this Brown's Twitter war that's been going on for six months. Like, it's not even football anymore. It's really not. It's beyond football. It's hard because I think people do want to place blame in one place, which is impossible. And want to be validated that yeah, they were impossible. right. It's impossible to do in this situation because there's so many different things at play. I do think with the injury, like it was the worst timing possible. Um, but as Holly kind of said, if the doctor clears you and you want to play, like the team isn't going to fight you a first pick in the draft and tell you you have to sit down if you are adamant that you are good enough to play in that moment. Um, so I'm sure in retrospect, Baker probably regrets that decision. Um, but I do think it is more of the player's choice at the end of the day, from what a lot of athletes have talked about, like if the doctor clears you and you want to go, you can go. Um, and it might hurt you. It might help you. Uh, and that's kind of the risk you take. And, and football is kind of a game of reward and risk. And unfortunately for him, it kind of just hurt him in the long run. And, and it, it might, hurt him in his future contracts and deals as we're seeing now, uh, just the questions surrounding him. And it's unfortunate because, uh, I'm sure he wanted it to go differently, but that's, that's kind of the risk you take. And I, I said, I was going to the very end and I said, if that makes me a Baker bro, whatever, I was like, I'm not, I, nothing was, was more horrifying, terrifying to me than going back to the QB. Well, the QB carousel, I, I was just holding it. I, I couldn't do it. 
Um, obviously, the situation came out of the clouds. We didn't even know this Deshaun Watson was an option. Like, come on. Um, and so that was always my biggest fear. And I said, if that made me a Baker, bro, hey, I roll, we roll with him to the end, Raleigh. Yeah, and I still think he does. I I think he could have taken us to the Super Bowl. I, I still think he goes on and has a very good career somewhere. I really hope he does. It's – he looked pretty gosh damn Friend good of the program. Friend of the program. <laughs> But yeah, uh, what you guys were saying about, yes, the doctors do clear you, but what they're evaluating for based off of a podcast guest who's an orthopedic sports medicine guy, also my uncle. What's up, uncle buddy? Um, They try to quantify it as much as possible. Like, do you have the ability to hurt yourself permanently? Yeah. Uh, That factors into it. No. But does it affect your play? That's for the coaching staff to decide the player at any point can be like, I don't feel comfortable playing or they may say yes, no matter what the medical staff, they may reel them back, but it's on the coaching staff to decide, all right, is 60% of Baker better than 100% of Keenum. And if they're trying to win and they say, okay, let's give him some rest or Keenum's better or Baker's better, but let's take that into account. You have two very good running backs. You don't have to run all these goddamn empty backfield sets throughout the duration of the season. Meaning I firmly believe that they made no adjustments to accommodate for an injured Baker. I think they took it as an opportunity of, we do want to move on. Let's make it a cleaner break. Exactly. They want it out. That's what it is too, right? They were done. They were done done with them. It, it, I think the OBJ stuff was the kind of the, the last straw. He lost the locker room. That was it. There was no real coming back from that. And, you know, as a player, I've, when I've asked Tyvis this too, he says, like, when you start to mess with my money is when I'm going to turn because, and that's what's starting to happen. Because if OBJ is getting incentives for trying to, for how many passes he catches and everything, and Baker's not throwing those to where they need to be, that's when it starts to, you know, come to a point where, well, you are hindering the team, right? So I, I think that, that that was kind of the last straw. And yeah, Raleigh, they wanted to move on. I mean, that that's it. This five-month odyssey, I loved the odyssey term, is is exactly what that was. They didn't They didn't draft him. They wanted him out. And I, they definitely thought they could get something for him. I think now they're like, well, shit. What a also, stupid season. What a stupid season. OBJ is a piece of shit, though, for the <laughs> Like, I mean, yeah, you are getting paid. But calling for a mutiny via your dad, it's like that absolutely torpedoed the locker room. And it sounds like he wanted out before the season began yeah. uh, based off of the conversations with Bond Miller and whatnot. So it's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but if they do bring OBJ back, I'm like, that would be. He's not going to come back. I don't think he's coming back. I think Jarvis comes back for sure way before OBJ would. Oh, yeah. Um, We'll we'll give, uh, whether you like it or not, Baker was the most successful. I'm not talking to you guys, talking to everyone else. Most successful quarterback we've had our generation. Uh, A lot of great, great funny times, not funny. Well, some funny, um, but I mean, the playoffs, the, the Bud Light, great memories. We'll give him his flowers, Raleigh, in another episode. We're not trying to avoid the whole conversation. Um, it's just the most bizarre, unique situation. And, you know, I, again, we roll with the guy. I hope nothing but the very best. He hopes he, he's going to land on his feet. I have no, uh, no problem believing that, but 
Yeah. And speaking of the, the Twitter civil war, I do got to give a shout out to the homie chops for these Brown spaces have been absolutely. It doesn't matter what side of the table you're on, what your opinion is. The, he launches these Twitter spaces and like 5,000 people jump in and it's some of the takes that come from like the top rope in here from like random people is just incredible. People from all over ESPN sitting on these things now, like, so I got to shout out, shout out chops. Those are just, they're, they're highly entertaining. I went on it on Sunday. They're awesome. (laughs) Yesterday they had a 13 year old boy giving his takes on there. He was was pretty smart. He had his, his ducks in a row of what he wanted and it was, it was pretty impressive. They are fun. And it is, it's so hard on the Twitter world to talk about these things because it's not real life. As, as soon as you criticize Baker, then you hate him. Or if you praise him, then like you're you, a Baker bro. Yep. And only love him. And it's such a, it's such a bigger conversation than that. Like, I think there's a world in which we can be critical of the things that Baker did poorly and still be super grateful for, like you said, the Bud Light fridges, the playoff game, the good moments that we did had. And, and I, I want to like live in a world where both of those things are possible, but the, I think Twitter's not, not the place for that. <laughs> it's okay to appreciate that stuff. Like it's okay to celebrate all those moments. It was great. It was awesome. Um, this is just a very unique situation. And I, it's very bittersweet. Cause I just, there's a lot of unfair shit being thrown his way. Um, obviously. And I, I can see some of both sides. I, I, I don't know. It's just a, it's a mess, but Hey, that's Cleveland football. I have no <laughs> idea what the hell Cleveland. Fo- it's a shit storm, and it got the, the, those Twitter roll those Twitter wars. That's not stopping anytime soon. Like no. unless Deshaun mm-hmm. is like hands down the best I, quarterback. I stopped tweeting league. about the Browns. I broke it a few times during the the Deshaun days, but I I made a pact at the AFC Championship game. I was like, I'm not tweeting about the Browns for the draft, and no. I was so happy. The one, the thing that I was excited about when that whole Deshaun thing is that I was like, oh, I, I'm definitely sticking to my my guns on this one. I'm not tweeting about the Browns. Sorry. Um, can we add on some some happier news or some some good news before we continue to keep these ladies? I just want to say one more thing about Deshaun that I was just thinking of. By all I means, like the like in the perfect world, he would come out this season and be a top five quarterback. But I'm so interested to see how he handles this pressure of people not liking him or having a problem with him because another side of it that we haven't talked about, he was a like star like people loved him, had nothing but good things to say about him as a person, his involvement in the community. He was, he had no bad reputation whatsoever. So it'll be interesting to see how that, affects him on the field now. And I feel like that's not something enough people are talking about. I'm like, yes, at that time he was, you know, a top five statistical quarterback, but is he still going to be that with this, the weight of the world around him, the pressure, people looking at him in a different light than they ever have before. I I mean, I hope he's able to handle it, but I mean, that is a, that is a lot of pressure. (laughs) I wonder what Stefanski's leash is. Like now they're like, there's no more, not that he, he was making excuses or we, we all love Stefanski and that jawline. Great coach. But what if Abby, and that's a good point. I even think about that. What if, you know, what if there's a eight game suspension or six games and this season sucks and next season is kind of shaky too. I mean, are they looking at Stefanski like, Hey man, like there's no excuses here. Like you have, I think think he's on the chopping block. No, 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 no. Not, not now. I'm just saying like, what kind of leash would he have? I guess I never thought about that. 
Well, let's not cross this bridge. No, we didn't. Let's no, no, we got to. We got to. I found that when I go into a season with pessimism, that's when the Browns thrive. Um, I'm going back to that for sure. Yeah, I'm I mean, done with these hopes. I'm going into you not. Yeah. I forget this. Hopes it's actually, and dreams are overrated. Hopes and no, dreams. never again. That three years sucked. Every time I'm jacked up and think we have it dialed in, shit absolutely hits the fan. But I do think, let's say Deshaun has no suspensions this game. If the Browns underperform, they're certainly not getting rid of Deshaun. They are getting rid of Stefanski. He has had quarterback critiques or receiving being able to put together like an explosive offense critique with uh when he was at um minnesota who was his stud receiver that started arriving after he was gone it's like ah maybe it's a him problem and he will like there's no way he has a job if cleveland has a mediocre season this year I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take us. Uh, I don't think he, he was not going to get fired after one mediocre year. I shouldn't take us on this path. I apologize. <laughs> um, on the chopping block. I was just saying, hypothetically, I was just thinking way ahead. Cause that's again, that's a pessimist. That's the Browns pessimism. And I am the resident pessimist of all the pessimists about the Browns. So that's what I was thinking about. That's on me. Um, if, 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 would you guys agree? If the Browns have the, if Deshaun isn't suspended and the Browns are, slightly above average this year with this roster. I got to imagine they chop Stefanski. I think then it's hot seat. I mean, I, I think it's, well, it depends like, on what happens of why, right? And that's exactly, exactly. Hurt. That's yeah. nobody's, what are you going to do with that? Right. I mean, now if he's, if Deshaun is a bust for whatever reason, then I mean, then maybe like, that is, but there's a lot of, fa- I believe I, I want, I think they want to stop the carousel of the coaches situation. Um, but cause you could argue this year, obviously was definitely mediocre. I mean, he's still around. Right. So um, I, I don't, but, they, but they're able to scapegoat Baker for it, which they did. Well, I believe. I, yeah, I think that now that's the narrative. Right. But before people were calling for Stefanski to get fired, they, there was, a yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that? <laughs> Browns Twitter, baby. Calling, it was the play calling, right? And and I'm again every game. There isn't one person to blame, like Abby said. There there isn't. There's there's a lot of different things going on, and um, I don't think I don't think it was all Baker. I don't think it was all Stefanski, but I don't think Baker ended up being as good as we hoped. He has to stay completely healthy for him to really thrive in a certain situation. I, he's he's too small. I, I think he gets hurt too much. That's going to be a, a problem and. I want to add this on, and this is going to be really hard to say because it it completely throws the the standards of what I'm about to say out the window. But Colin Coward, which you know how he has been obviously super vocal against Baker, and he doesn't know how to pour a beer for God's sakes. We've we've gone down that whole path, but he said back um, it was before the end of the season, and he talked about having standards, and he talked about how. Um, He's like, San Francisco has standards, right? Jimmy G is still their quarterback and they're getting rid of him. And he took them to, you know, the NFC championship. So he's like, Brown, where are your standards, right? Where do you draw that line of like, nope, not, that ain't good enough. We're moving on. You know, why are we okay with mediocre? Now it's hard to make that argument right now because our standards right now are hugging out the door because of the things with Deshaun. But it does make you question, well, yeah, like, what are our standards? And I'm not a big, I'm not a huge Colin Coward fan, but I really 
that really resonated with me because I thought, well, yeah, what are our standards? Because all these other teams are not having it. And that's back to the business thing. Right. Like Abby said, it's in, yeah. Um, this has been a great conversation. We truly appreciate you guys coming on. Um, once again, Holly Wetzel, Abby Mueller, I will have all their contact info, all their podcasts. So if you listen to podcasts, anywhere you can find podcasts. Um, anyone, any final thoughts? I thought this was a great chat and we'll have other way other episodes more to talk about Amari and whatever happens with Baker and everything else. Um, but yeah, I just thought a, a little pull up, a little campfire chat uh, was good. It's been a while, but no, any final thoughts from anyone? Uh, Quinn started smiling like, and actually meaning Aww. it versus that's like an involuntary. Can reaction. confirm. Can confirm. So that's been that's special. Great, yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, I got nothing. Oh, but Holly and Abby truly appreciate you guys coming on and talking about this stuff. Uh, I know again, it's not easy to talk about. Um, so we certainly appreciate you guys coming on Two of my absolute favorite Browns, Twitter follows actually just Twitter follows in general. Um, Holly will take you along. Abby somehow. And you too, Holly know everything that's going on with all of our sports teams at all times. Um, Holly also will add in her, her injury updates, um, which I thoroughly enjoy because I too cracked some ribs this year and it was the worst. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Um, so you guys just put out just great content, great content. <laughs> well, and I, I gotta say like to add, this is an injury, but I'm not kidding you guys. There's a, there's a literal marching band going outside of my door and I, I live in a building. Like, oh, I thought is, Kevin sent that in the group chat. My no, I, it's, <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys could hear it, but I'm sitting here and I'm like, what? I can't hear anything. No, that's awesome. Though. Yes. Yeah. It blocked it out pretty well. I couldn't hear it. Amazing. Great marching high school, high school marching band going on outside. And I don't know where well, they could have you, been because I live in a building. So. You gotta mic, go. You gotta go catch them. Though. Give that microphone company a shout out. Cause that's a quality product. Thank yeah. you. No free ads. No, actually no free ads. Don't say anything about them. But right. once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back. We'll have some good interviews coming up. We'll be back soon for Raleigh, for Abby, for Holly. This is thanks for listening to Dogs War Podcast and good night, Cleveland. It was 1950 in the cold and rain when my father took me to my very first game. Said the Browns are going to show you how to game.